if you want peace in your life, learn how to be the same man everywhere that you go. Uh, don't be one person at church and another person with your business and another person with your family where you have turmoil, where you have conflict is where you're trying to figure out who do I need to be to these people and who do I need to be to these people? I know who I am everywhere I go and I know who I bring with me everywhere I go. Hey, what's up, friends? I'm Vince Del Monte, father, husband, and the OG of online fitness marketing. For more than a decade, I've been committed to helping skinny guys pack on muscle. And after building multiple seven-figure online fitness businesses, I've achieved freedom and financial security through mentorship, hard work, and my passion for fitness. And I want to help you do the same. Recently, I've built the best mastermind coaching program that exists for fitness professionals by giving you the shortest no BS path to grow to six, seven, and even eight figures regardless of your starting level. My coaching was designed to give you the skills, systems, and support to become an industry mover and shaker and build the business and life of your dreams. Hey, welcome back, friends, to the Vince Del Monte podcast. I am joined today by my brother with the same mother, Adrian Del Monte. What's up? And we What's have, up? Yeah, you get, get that acknowledgement in there. <laughs> and we are here with our new buddy, Garrett Onkelbach, who is an entrepreneur, follower of Christ, former Navy SEAL, and uh, um, individual that I just met at Elevate Life Church just a few weeks ago in Frisco, Texas, uh, when I was going to Keith Craft's Grow Mastermind. And I I was uh, invited by um, some buddies to uh, check out this epic morning a Bible study uh, with 300 plus men on the floor. And Garrett was leading the charge from the stage. And it was Father's Day weekend. Uh, he just gave a really powerful talk around uh, what it means to be a man, what, what it means to be a, a real man. And it was so refreshing how to live what's you know coined as an impossible life. And uh, Garrett, we'd love to just welcome you, first of all to uh, the podcast here. Honored to be here. Thank you for having me. And I'm looking forward to all the things we're going to talk about. I, I looked over a few of the questions that you sent beforehand and I love all of the topics. And I also love the questions, you know, that, that are impromptu, the ones that aren't in the notes. So I'm looking forward to covering all of it. And I love the topic of men. So let's get into this. Can, yeah, can, I, can I actually go off topic right here, Vince, right let's off the it. bat, because we were oh. about, we were about to start recording <laughs> and we were about to hit record. And you paused us for uh, a, a moment of prayer. And this is one of these things. I think it's a great metaphor, to be honest, when I'm in a restaurant with my family or, you know, like taking my faith sort of public always causes me a little bit of anxiety or like, what are they going to think if I don't tip well? And I'm the guy who like prayed for a long time. You know, I have all these <laughs> things that cycle in my head when really it's not that big a deal. I I'm curious. Any thoughts on that? Well, I have a lot of thoughts on that. I'll give you one. I'll give one thought. I'll give one thought is you want if you want peace in your life, learn how to be the same man everywhere that you go. Uh, don't be one person at church and another person with your business and another person with your family. When you know who you are and you know who who you are as a son of God and you bring that with you, literally wherever you're at, whether it's on stage, where it's in the green room, where it's at a private dinner, wherever you're at, if you're the same person, you'll have so much peace in your life where you have turmoil, where you have conflict is where you're trying to figure out who do I need to be to these people? And who do I need to be to these people? I know who I am everywhere I go. And I know who I bring with me everywhere I go. Mm. I love that. You remember you saying that a man produces life, a man produce, right. uh, creates life. He's consistent in all areas. That was, that was really powerful. I'm very fortunate to have been raised by a father who, who taught me to be that way. My father um, growing up was the same person everywhere he went. I watched him lead his business. He was the same person to people who 
were good employees. He was the same person to an employee who stole from him. He's the same person at church. He was the same person to my mom. And that's like such a great template for being a man. Is And so you heard me talk a lot about consistent statements. And when we sit around as a family at the holidays and things like that, and we talk about our family, we talk about our legacy, we'll talk about, you know, each other. And when everyone talks about my dad, the word that they, they use is consistency. So I'm very fortunate to have learned that from someone and had it modeled for me. I, I tell a story sometimes of how uh, I was hunting with my father one time at 12 years old. And there was a guy who was kind of new to our church and it had come out with us. And this guy had, you know, he was new, he was all excited about everything. You know how it is when people jump into a new business or a new church or a new program. And my dad wasn't around and this guy started acting differently. And I was, I'm 12 years old at the time. This guy starts acting really differently than when my dad's not around, starts talking weird to me, start, starts talking down to me. And anyways, I brought it up to my father later. I was like, I, cause I, I was confused. I grew up in a world where I had never known it. Like at 12 years old for the first time I met a man who was not the same person around other people. Mm. Right. And, and as you get older, you realize that's how a lot of people are. Uh, but that's not the world that I grew up in. It's fascinating that, that you didn't see someone <laughs> that you're saying until 12 years old, all you'd seen modeled in your life was integrity. What was that? What was that like, Garrett? Cause our father and two, and our mom as well, powerhouses. It's a new term I used. We, we, both my brothers, um, all three of us kind of, I felt, um, wasn't spoken as an expectation to be a pastor, to be, you know, full-time Christian ministry, but I definitely felt that that was the highest calling and that, you know, doing anything other than actually being, you know, on stage as a pastor, you know, leading small groups was a less of a calling. Now that my, my parents never said that, but when you see it subconsciously heading into the fitness industry, I felt like, is this the right place for me to be? Am I, I'm not saving lives and helping build bodies, but did what, and I've always found it hard as well to even pray. Uh, now I do, but praying with my wife was, I don't think we prayed together for like over 14 years. Okay. I don't, it almost seemed like I cared. Um, kids even like I pray when I was in the right mood. There's a word think, that comes to mind for me that I've brought up with people. Maybe this wasn't the case for you, but I, I brought this up with people. And this is to me part of, um, manly Christianity. Um, Jesus was, was very kind. Jesus had a lot of compassion, right? But the mission is not kindness. And it's funny to me. Mm, so these are some good. things that I've learned from, from the SEAL teams of really having learning how to understand and focus on what is the actual mission? Not like, what are some of these other, for example, like people running an event, right? The, the mission of the event, is to make sure people learn the content, that they have a good time, that they're engaged, that they build all of those things. But people will build an itinerary for an event and they think that the mission is to conduct the itinerary, right? And so you can get wrapped up in things that take you down a road that's not really what you had initially intended to do. Christianity can teach kindness to people such that they think kindness is the mission, right? And I'll ask somebody like, why didn't you witness to that person? Look, they're telling me a story. Like, why didn't you like speak up to that person? And their response you know, almost an involuntary response is I didn't want to be rude. Really? Now the reason that you didn't take the opportunity to, you know, help someone along in their salvation to witness to somebody because you didn't want to hurt their feelings. Think about that. Right. And so uh, so many times we can get wrapped up on the wrong mission. And so even in, in leading our family and leading our business, what is the mission? And so with, with, if you had, if I'd asked you that question 14 years ago or 10 years ago, we'd have probably had a conversation. You said, you know what, maybe I need to start praying with my wife because it's not about it's the mission is not to make sure I don't make my wife uncomfortable. That's so good. 
it, it's great. Can, can you talk more about manly Christianity? That's a, that's a great, you know, some people might call that a paradox. I'm not going to lie to you, Garrett, like that might, and yet what you're building. And so we just love to hear about mighty men and, yeah, let me let me uh, let me talk about what what mighty men is, and and we'll probably be talking about manly Christianity for the entire next hour. Let's do that. Um, <laughs> mighty men is uh, something that I I get the opportunity to lead now, and and Vince, just on the topic of vocational ministry, right? Like you're talking about with your father, you may not even know this about me because I don't think we talked about it. Um, I, I'm not I'm not paid by the church to lead in the role that I am. I lead a large construction company. I do real estate development. I'm involved in venture capital and I also have our, our podcast, which has products and things like that. Um, so to me, ministry is the number one most important thing in my life. And I also make zero dollars from ministry. Mm. And, that, and that's kind of like of my own dream and my own design that I wanted it to be that way. Uh, so I get the honor and the privilege. And so I'm not, I'm not on staff, but I get the honor and privilege of leading this role of the men's ministry at our church, which we call it Mighty Men. <clears throat> and Mighty Men is a reference to David's Mighty Men in the Bible. First and second Samuel is some of my favorite reading in the Old Testament besides Genesis, just the life of David. There's only one person who's written about in the Bible more than David, and that's Jesus. Um, other than that, the most writings in the Bible are about David, which it says that David was a man after God's own heart. There's a reason that so much is written about David. But the men who followed David, they were called the mighty men, or in Hebrew, uh, the Gabor Hayal, meaning the mighty men of valor. And what they were dedicated to was David's mission, right? Back, back then, it was different. I don't have to get deep into all of this, but you know, Old Testament, God doesn't speak to everybody. God will speak to a man, sometimes a few men on the earth at one time. And God was the, I mean, David was the man that God was working through at this time. And so all of these people says, you know what, David, we're going to follow you. We're going to be committed to your mission. And these men were so dedicated. They would do incredible things like literally go behind, sneak behind enemy lines to get a drink of water for David from, you know, the well of his childhood. These men were so committed to what they were doing and so committed to following David. Whereas now um, it's not, it's, you know, it's not that I'm David. It's more so that we're all following Christ, but there's this same level of commitment to mission. When I left the SEAL teams, the thing that I missed the most, and it was hard, it was hard for me to leave because I was very good at my job. I had a huge upward trajectory on where I could go on the SEAL teams. It was hard for me to leave. And we can get into that if we want to later. Um, but the thing that I missed the most leaving the SEAL teams was the level of brotherhood. And to me, brotherhood is not about like having buddies. Like a lot of people think like brotherhood is like a fraternity. Like I have people that I can always call people that I can always hang out with. No, to me, brotherhood is this union of men who are committed to the same thing. There were guys, and I remember some guys specifically from my first platoon. I did not mm -hmm. like them personally. They did not like me personally. But um, one person in particular I'm thinking of, like, if I was picking a team, I would pick him for my team, even though I didn't like who I didn't like him as a person. I like what I liked about him was how good of a teammate he was and how seriously he took his job. Right. And, and so even today, like I've this can sound mean, it's not meant to be mean. Uh, even today, like I've had taught when I have conversations with uh, all of the leaders within Mighty Men and we meet once a month and I pour directly into the leaders. We'll actually be doing that tomorrow. And I've said to them before, you know, many of you, I would have never chose you. And I mean that like in a personal sense, I, I wouldn't have chose you as like for my team because of who you are as a person, but I choose you because you choose this mission. Right. And mm. that's so important mm. to me. Um, and so what mighty men is, is it's a bunch of, it's, it's nothing crazy, even though I've been called crazy my entire life. Um, like literally since I was about nine years old, people would just tell me I'm crazy. So I'm used to that word, 
Uh, but what we're doing at Mighty Men isn't really crazy. It's Matthew's 28 discipleship, go into all the world, baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey every command that I've given you. Teach them to be disciples, which means to be a student of Christ. That's all that, that Mighty Men is about, is helping men become students of Christ. But the element of Mighty Men, right, and I, I won't go deep into it, there's a time when Jesus actually references his disciples to the Pharisees and calls them, uh, said, uh, makes an analogy that they're like mighty men and their level of commitment to Jesus's mission. Um, but all that we're trying to do with mighty men at Elevate Life Church is we're trying to do discipleship, right? And, and discipleship has become like a lost art in the church, which is to directly pour into other people. And this can't happen. Discipleship is not at scale, right? It, mm. it scales mm. through one disciple to another person. Mm. Garrett cannot disciple a hundred men. You can't do that, right? Like Jesus had, he had the 70, he had the 12, and he had three that he poured into deeply, right? <clears throat> and so what what I know is I'm pouring into these guys who are the leaders of Mighty Men, having the expectation, and some of these guys have been with me since we first started. I'm pouring into them with the expectation that what I'm doing with you, you'll do with other people. And that's what grows and that's what scales. It's not about just getting a, you can get a thousand guys, you can spend the money and get a thousand guys to show up to a men's conference, right? Do the right things, promote it well enough, bring it, you know, skydive some people in and have a great concert. You can get a thousand people to show up. But, but discipleship, what the church is supposed to be focused on is about transformation to really see men become who God's called them to be. Um, so I'll, I'll pause there to see if you guys want to take this in another direction, but that's just, um, me getting into a little bit of what mighty men is supposed to be about. Oh, I, as, as you were talking, I, um, one of my favorite books is about Jonathan. Um, it's by Erwin McManus, right? It, it, it was called, it, it was called, it was called seizing your divine moment. They've re-released it, but it's this story of Jonathan saying to his armor bearer, Hey, let's go pick a fight. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. It's one of my favorite, favorite we, stories. We, and so when you're talking messages on that, Perhaps have you really all oh. love? I love that mindset of where he, he's bought in and he says, Perhaps the Lord is with us. It's amazing. <laughs> but, but what I, what I love, and I'd love to stay on mentorship for a second David's mighty men. Like that story is about Jonathan, Jonathan acting of his own accord. David's nowhere to be seen, but you know, because of his proximity, I would argue to David, he's now calling the armor bearer out of his own. I think they're sitting under a tree. Like they're that the armor bearer is sitting he's comfortable with Saul and all the other guys. They don't want to move. And then Jonathan is saying, yo, let's go. And I have to think it's because he saw David, you know, <laughs> killed Goliath or all the other great things that David has done. So I love this model of discipleship. Can I ask this next question? You said, you know, we're we're trying in the ministry to create men to be all that they're called to be. What are men called to be? I, I would love to just point yeah. that a little so, bit. So many, so many people are asking the question, not just Christians, but all, all people, but let's just talk about Christian people. They're asking, you know, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to do with my life? You know, I had a moment in my life for, for one. Um, I want to always make sure I mention this anytime I, I get to talk to uh, at least one person that I don't know. And so uh, thank you to those of you who are listening, because I'm getting to speak to somebody that I don't know. And I, and I would love to get to meet you and get to know you. There's something that was given to me in my life. I call it the infinite potential unlock, something that's released me to become everything that God has created me to be. Uh, since I was very young, my parents, uh, my parents and, and Pastor Keith would speak into my life and they'd say, God has a plan for your life. Since I was five years old, people, my parents would say, God has a plan for your life. 
that doesn't mean anything to a five-year-old. It does not mean anything to a five-year-old. It was the, thank you. It means the same thing as here's a popsicle, right? I, I have a, uh, I have a child who's almost three. So I have a little bit of reference. But I would hear that all the time. I would hear, I heard it when I was seven. I heard it when I was 10, I heard it when I was 15, when I was 20 years old on my first mission in the SEAL teams, I was reminded of this, of how God has a plan for my life. There was a moment that I almost died. I thought I had breathed my last breath, uh, so to say, and I won't go, go deep into that. And then I took another breath and it was a great reminder for me. And it gave context to the fact that I'm on the earth for a reason. I should have died in that moment and I didn't. And the fact that I'm still alive today is because God wants to do something with me. And so this also goes back to the value of your words because my father was so consistent. Um, I, you know, I, I, he had never broke his trust to me. Right. So what he, what he said, and this is also a model of what our relationship with God is supposed to be like, uh, because my father had said that anytime other people would try to tell me things that were counter to that, I'm like, you know, I really don't trust you as much as somebody who's been in my life for a long time who has proven through consistency who they are in my life. And so when that person tells me that God has a plan for my life, I believe them a lot more than I believe you. And the other thing I was told so often in life is that you can have anything you want in life as long as you're willing to pay the price for it, right? That's called potential. And it's also self-fulfilling. If you don't believe that, it's not true. If you do believe that it is true, you just have to live up to it. So to answer the question of like, what, what is like a, our purpose? What is, what is it that we're supposed to do? All of us were created to glorify God. We were all created to do that in a very different way. Yeah. Right. Bring Christ and, everywhere. That's right. The creation mandate, right? Go be fruitful, uh, take dominion, uh, have mandate over a certain area. All of us have specific areas of dominion. God has dominion over all of it. Uh, for us, you know, I, I love the verse in Psalm. I have a, a, one of my business entities named after it love the verse in Psalms about how uh, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? God owns it all. We get to own one hill. Like God gives, like God has given you, Vince, a very specific area of dominion, right? That, that you walk in today in, in men's fitness. And I, I've, I've even read some of your content where you talked about um, when you tried to get into fat loss, like that didn't work for you, right? You have a specific area of dominion. And God has given all of us unique abilities. God has given us a specific area of dominion where we get to go and glorify God in that space and in that way. And so for me, ministry is just like the, the role that I get to play in ministry today is such a, a great blessing, but I do ministry in every area of my life, not just on Saturday mornings. I'd love to dig into pride a little bit more because, you know, about me, we live in the social media culture that, you know, the stuff that gets the most views, uh, you know, attention is the public accolades, the achievement, the accomplishments, um, you know, pride is about me. And I talk about these four things that essentially the four things that ruins every man, fame, fortune, power, and pleasure. Now I, by no stretch of the imagination have a grasp on all these things, but I would love to hear you just speak to how you manage, how you manage these temptations, these very real things that are available. Uh, to us, you know, they are temptations. They are of the flesh. They feel good, you know. Um, maybe struggles you've had in any of those departments, sure. but I, I really see like the world's preaching this message of like, you know, your ambitions, your dreams, your goals. Ten x it, a hundred x it. Go after, and if you're not, you're settling. You're lazy. You're compromising. You know, there's, and it's coming from people who've accomplished a lot, but you, we know that they're. We know that um, they're not looking to glorify God. They're looking to glorify them. They're not looking to honor God. And 
they're not bad people, but just let's just kind of chat about like, without sounding like what's yeah, lacking there. I, I, I hear you. So just on, on success for a moment, just talking about, you know, people who are successful and uh, who, who honor God and, and people who don't. Well, God made a world of order, right? God made the world a certain way. Even when you read the story of Genesis, God, God created and then he ordered right? He made light and then he separated the light from the day. We would go on and on about order and because we live in a world of order. Like we're, we live in a principled world where things happen a, a certain way, right? Like we, gravity works a certain way, planting a seed, like agri agriculture works a certain way. You put a seed in the ground, you put dirt over it in the right season. It germinates because of the right temperature. You water it correctly and it'll grow, right? That's a world of order. They don't live in a world of chaos where you could like plant all the seeds, do everything the right way. And nothing happens, right? We live in a world of order. So people, there's people that are successful today who hate God, right? Have want nothing to do with God, but they understand how God made, they, they don't think that God made the world, but they understand the world that he made, right? There are success principles. If you, if you do the right things, you will get the right reward, right? But then why? So what, a lot of people think like, oh, I just want to be successful, right? And, and they don't want God as a part of their life. Well, you can have success, right? In the world's definition, which is to accumulate money, to accumulate power, but you'll, you'll come to this place in your life and people find it in different ways. And you find people, and I, I won't use anybody's names who become very successful because of this drive within them, because of this God-shaped hole that they cannot fill and they'll continue to chase and they'll continue to work hard and they'll be successful based upon principles, but they can never fill this void in their life uh, that, that we all have of fulfilling what we were created to do of this purpose. And I'll tell you the greatest, the greatest blessing is not lots of money. The greatest blessing is not even having a healthy family or, or your own personal health. The greatest blessing that you can experience on the earth is the presence of God in your life. Garrett, can I ask, let, let, I'd love to make it. I like breaking it down into bite-sized pieces. So, you know, I've seen your stuff. You're a fit guy, a very fit guy. So when you leave the gym, you go to the gym to train, but then you leave the gym with all those gains. They're in your muscle tissue, right? They're in your blood. Like they're in your, you, you've become a fit person and then you can take that fitness into your life. One of the things I struggle with in my faith is it sometimes feels compartmentalized. Like I do a quiet time for 15 minutes in the morning. I, I close my eyes and pray and then I go and live my life. I'm curious how you experience the presence of God when you're not doing a spiritual, a traditional, what I mean by like a, a traditional spiritual, like a, like a discipline when you're actually like, you know, praying or, 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 or worshiping like in the traditional sense. Now I know we can make the case that all things are worshiped. And so I'd love, and all things are prayer and all things are spirit led. So I'd love you just to make that case. Like, Sometimes I just forget about my faith. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like I'm just yeah. like, uh, I, I'm just like, I'm parenting my kids and I'm not thinking conscientiously of God. And so like, where is God in that moment? I guess that's sort yeah, of my me, question. Let me give you a, a thought behind, uh, behind all of that. I, I, I rambled think, a bit to get there, Garrett. I apologize. No, it's okay. <laughs> I think one of the most special things about God, and, and by the way, the things that God is, Right, the, the script you won't hear a lot of people use this scripture. The Bible says that man was made a little lower than God. Right, we're made in His image. We were made to be like Him. And even Christ, when He was on the earth, said to His disciples, "You'll do even greater things than I did." Right, and and we 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 rarely live up to that standard, let alone want to talk about it. But one of the most special things that God is, and and again, 
when all the special things that God is, he gave us a, a measure of that ability in the same way that God spoke the earth into existence. God gave us the ability to speak, which is su such a special thing. There's a reason nothing else on the earth can speak in the way that man can. Um, but one of God's special abilities is intentionality. God saw the end from the beginning. When God made the earth, when God created it all, he saw the end from the beginning. And God does really like, God doesn't have just necessarily relationship with a man. God has relationship with humanity. And if you study really the story of the Israelites uh, over thousands of years, you'll see this where God is doing something the whole time, right? And he gives, and, and this is getting deep into theology and I won't go super deep into it, understanding the, the difference between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. But God is giving uh, man an opportunity to do things all along the way, but God has a plan all along the way. And so this great ability that God has of intentionality, where God does things over thousands of years, the same way, like it's special for like, one, uh, I just had this conversation with some of uh, one of my mighty men who's about to have a child. And I said, Hey, when you're in the hospital after, and, and I encouraged, <laughs> I encouraged him to um, uh, deliver the baby himself. And I said, when you're in the hospital, write a letter to your child you'll give to them one day later when they're 18, when they're 20 years old, when they're 16, mm. whenever you want to give mm. to them, write a letter on the day that they're born, right? Reminding them how much you love them. Cause I, I I've experienced that in my own life where my parents said things, planted seeds, all of that. Right. So I, I make all of those points and references to tell you the power of intentionality where you'll, you'll begin with the end in mind. So when you start your day, you're starting it right, but begin with the end in mind. When you step into the gym, begin with the end in mind. Why am I in here? right? I'm not in here for vanity. I'm, I'm in here for the purpose of self-control. I'm in here because God wants me to take control of my flesh because until, and this is one of my favorite scriptures, Romans 12, one and two, Paul says, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, make your body a living sacrifice. This is worship that is holy and pleasing to God. And we'll come back to talking about a living sacrifice because it leads into verse two, where he says, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll understand God's will for your life. And every single person wants to understand God's will for their life. It's a process when the, when the new Testament says, then just like a functional logical statement where it says, then saying, do this, then this will happen. Right? So don't be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you want to, and, and that, that also puts so much responsibility on us, right? Where God's saying, look, you have to control your thinking. I gave you the ability to think for a reason. I need you to control it, right? I control so much. There's so much that we cannot control in our lives, but God said, I did give you your thoughts. You need to be a master of those. If you want to master your thoughts, it starts with mastering your flesh, right? Being, being in shape, like there's all types of in shape. But you have to have self-control over your flesh. You can be an ultra marathon runner and you don't have, you know, much muscle to show for it. You can never run in your life and have 20 inch arms, right? There's a lot of ways to be self-disciplined. But the point is that you have self-control because when you control your, you're either leading your flesh in life or your flesh is leading you. When you're leading your flesh, then you have the ability to control your thoughts. Then you have the ability for God to really transform you and change you into something that's very different than a normal man on the earth. And that's when you'll understand God's will for your life. And that's where whenever, wherever you go, whenever you're there, whoever sees you, they'll say, what is that? And that's your opportunity to glorify God. But the point is, it's intentional from the start. You know, you're walking into the gym to be my here. That's right. You know, that's, a, that's the question. Why am I here in the gym? Why am I here? Why do I have three sons? Why do I have a job? Why am I right to, to, to be thinking about that is what guides you in the steps if you've of the ever spirit. Read, uh, Victor Frankel's book, Man's Search for Meaning. Oh, it's a classic. Oh, yes. I encourage you to do it. But he talks about in that book, 
that life is asking you that question. Mm. Why are you here? Yeah, right? That's right. So much, so much of life is people asking life, like, why am I here? What am I supposed to do with life? And it's really the other way around. Why are you here? Right. And so what I've determined for my life is that my life is to glorify God. So in everything that I'm doing, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing it. So, so let's talk about glorifying God, applying this through some really brutal times. You know, we got lots of people listening. Uh, you know, some guys, their businesses are sinking. Some are in affairs. Some are going through divorce. Some just are in awful shape. Some feel failed in all areas of their life. It just life's not going well <laughs> on the, you know, on the surface. Um, wh where do we start with with a guy that's just severely depressed, full of anxiety, and just maybe maybe even he's been doing some great stuff and just doesn't seem like he's got a break and all this cliches like, hey, life's happening for you, not to you, and you know, good stuff. But sometimes it's like just speak to the guy. I mean, you've been you've been in the seals, man, and things sometimes plan doesn't go according to the plan and how do you deal with some of that just brutal days those brutal days brutal weeks brutal months sometimes brutal years for some of us yeah uh one of my favorite scriptures uh james one two and and really anytime you i i can take most of almost all of what i know anything that's worth anything i can take it back to scripture right and and that's and it's it's not like i developed everything from scripture i'll tell you this especially for people who might have this question like some things might like there's things i learned in the seal teams that also as i matured spiritually i really understood where that came from mm. right like I, I i i'm very fortunate in that again the family that i grew up into i wasn't born like it's very hard you you know this vince try to help someone start a business like that's helping someone start a brand new business and grow it and do it right is a lot easier than helping a guy who has like totally sidelined his business and jacked it up and he's been up and he's been down and he's been up and he's down again and trying to get him back to healthy is a lot harder than helping someone be healthy from the start. Right. So it takes a lot of wisdom and understanding to, to repair those things. Say that to say, um, one of my favorite scriptures, James one, two, and I really learned this from the, in the seal teams and I related it to life and I pull it out of scriptures. James one, two, Paul I mean, J James says, consider it joy when you face struggles of any kind, Consider it joy when you face struggles of any kind, right? And the, the, the scripture goes on and says that when you do this, this is your opportunity to develop endurance, right? And when you develop endurance, you'll be mature and complete, not needing anything. And so that it, when you dig into scripture, and I, I won't like get really deep into this, but to understand scripture, sometimes you look at the Greek, like what is the word? What's the action word? What does it mean? Where it says, consider it, uh, consider it joy. And that can seem like a strange scripture. Like, how can I look at anything in my life? Like, think of the most worst, the worst thing that you could think of. And by the way, I, I learned this in the SEAL teams too. Whatever, like your worst uh, thing that you can think of is, it's probably not as bad as you think. I posted this video on in my Instagram story the other day. Like, this is somebody's worst nightmare of this happening. And it was a video of like literally the door getting sucked off of an airplane and like all, you know, like, like from some final destination movie or something like that. <laughs> and everyone was just sitting there. Like it was okay. No one got sucked out of the plane, but that's somebody's worst nightmare. Um, but then it happened and everyone was fine. Um, that's so <laughs> often like uh, Seneca says, we suffer more in our own minds than in reality. I believe that to be true. I also believe it's true that the opposite can be true where you can be going through suffering and you can be fine internally. Right. And that's James one, two, where it says, consider it joy. And the, and the Greek word is hegemai, which means to lead one's thoughts, 
Literally, you choose how you're going to feel about this situation, right? The superpower that God has given us is to choose. You can choose what you think. You can choose how you feel about a certain situation. That doesn't mean you won't be influenced, right? That doesn't mean you won't necessarily be pushed in a certain way, but no one can make you think something. No one can make you feel a certain way. You have the ability to choose how you feel about any given set of circumstances. And the Bible says, if you'll choose joy, if you'll say, oh man, and this is literally like people give Jocko credit for this, where Jocko is like, oh, bad things are happening to me. Good. That's James 1, 2, right? That is straight from the word of God. When bad things are happening to you, choose to have a good attitude about it because this is what will develop endurance in your life. And when you have endurance, which literally means the ability to stay under the weight, when you can stay under the weight of life, and why would you do that? When you've realized that there's something that's more important than you. How many seals do you think ever died for the paycheck? How many of them died for the $400,000 death benefit that their family would get if they died? Zero. Zero of them died for that reason. They all died. One of my friends died with a smile on his face because he believed in something that's more important than him. Right? So why would a, this literally, the, this scripture, consider it joy, hegemai, to lead oneself. How do you lead yourself? That doesn't, if you kind of like try to think about that, doesn't make sense. Like, how do I lead myself? Well, that's when there's something that would literally to cause a man to go beyond himself, what'll cause a man to go beyond himself, right? This is, we're given this in marriage, we're given this in family, and we're given this in the great missions that God gives us with our life, where there's something that's literally more important than your own life, right? And this is, this is seals who have died. And that's just one example of it. So many people have done this with their lives. There's something that was more important than my life. So if it's more important than my life, that also means whatever I'm, I'm doing while I am alive, I can have that same attitude about it. How do you, you know, I, I love James one and two, um, Garrett, the part that always troubles me about that passage is the, is the testing part, like the, <laughs> you know, consider pure joy because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. The word could almost be a little bit cruel. Like, who's testing me? Like, is God testing me? And, and the reason I bring this up, and I'd love your thoughts on this, I, I love these passages, and I always applied them to my endurance sport, right? Like, when I yeah. suffered going up a hill, yeah, I'm, I'm becoming perseverant. When I lift in the gym, I'm becoming more disciplined. I struggled with passages like this when my wife couldn't have our first son. I'll be real with you, right? Like took us three years and there's no certainty around this. You're doing all this doctors and, and, and it sucked like that suffering. I could not consider pure joy, not in the moment. And even now, 12 years later. So I'm just curious, like you've seen, so you said earlier, if I could see what you've seen, like you've probably experienced like real pain and seen people die. For example, let's just say a few more words. Cause I struggle. It, it comes off as like, cliche at times when I think about like how hard that was and watching my wife sob and, and I wasn't like, don't worry, baby, we're becoming perseverant. And I know that's not what you're saying at all, but it's, yeah. it's, it's how it could feel sometimes when it's almost like given to you so, in this way. Totally. And thank you for being authentic and, and how yeah. you feel about that, because this is one of those things where in the moment it never feels right. No, <laughs> right. <laughs> in the moment it never, it never feels right. But I think one of the most, and, and we get the, uh, Christians can have a short memory sometimes, right? And, and we're, we're guilty of that. And it's a, not a good thing to be guilty of where we we're really good at looking forward at, at, into the, the gaps and holes in our life and saying, God, when are you going to do this for me? And we forgot what he did for us yesterday. We forgot what he did for us last year. Um, 
we need to have that great ability to look back and to reflect like where God has brought us from uh, is the problem the Israelites had. Uh, like how could one of my favorite stories in the Bible, how could the Israelites come to a place where, the, where they said, you know, God, we don't think you can take us any further when God had literally saved them from Egypt, brought them out of the most powerful nation in the world, parted, parted the Red Sea, speaks to them from a pillar of fire, appears to some of them and speaks to the, looks them in the eye and speaks to them, provides food, provides water in the middle of the desert. They go through it. This is their journey for months. Like literally the creator of the universe has manifest himself on earth and is moving directly on your behalf. And then you come to a place and you see some really tall guys and you're like, I don't, I don't, God, I don't think you can deal with that. Right. There was no, there was no doubt of, of who God was. Not one Israelite was saying, yeah, I don't really believe in God. Right. They're saying, we don't think you can do it for us. Doubt is always there. Fear is always there for us. Another one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Joseph right? Has a great dream for his life. I talked about this this last Sunday, has a great dream for his life, right? And, and what it can, what can sound like a selfish dream, which, you know, it's really only it's between us and God, whether our dream is selfish or not, but has this dream that his family is going to bow down to him. That can sound so arrogant, right? But has this dream. And then his brothers throw him in a pit for it. They, they plot to kill him. Then they just throw him in a pit. Then they sell him into slavery. He's in slavery for years. Then he's a prisoner, right? And through all of this, God is sent, like, doesn't, I, it doesn't say that Joseph did and I, he probably did not but if, even if Joseph was praying like, God, I just need you to deliver me from here. And God is saying to Joseph, I have you right where I want you. Right. Because God had a great plan for Joseph's life. God moved directly in a few people's life. Joseph, one of them, because he says, you are the one Joseph, you, you have to go through this great struggle, right? Like this isn't fair. You did nothing wrong. You're your father's favorite son and your brothers plotted to murder you. They threw you into slavery. And then the, even slavery went wrong for you. And now you're in prison, slated to be executed. I have you right where I want you. All of this is for a purpose because I'm going to move you into this place that you could have never done on your own, that you could have never have imagined, where you'll be number two, the second most powerful person in the world. And what you're going to do is save my people, save all of the Israelites from death by starvation. Right. And so whenever you're going through struggle in your life, you have to you, you have to consider a joy to consider a joy is to say that this must have great purpose. Right. This is God, God must be doing something with this. And even if I don't see it in my life, I know that it's meaningful if I'll have the right attitude about it, if I'll have the right heart about it, because it's so easy for us to question God, like, why would you let this happen? And you have to ask the question in the in a different way. Right. Don't say don't question God like what what's wrong with you? Why are you letting this happen? You ask the question in a different context and you say, God, why is it that you would let this happen? Because I know you love me. I know you have a plan for me and I can't see how this could work. Help me see it. Yeah. Help, help me see it. I love that. Help, help me see it. I got one last question here for you. And um, I don't think we asked a single question on our, on our uh, interview. Not, not one. <laughs> but a big theme that shows up in my world of coaching business clients um, who are trying to build their fitness businesses are, I feel, these are the words they say exactly. I feel like I'm behind. Mm -hmm. The words are, I feel like I'm behind. I should be further ahead. Um, just love to hear a biblical perspective on that, that, hey, this business should be further ahead. I should have better gains. We shouldn't be struggling with this issue after being married 14 years. Like there's this whole mentality that where's that, Where's that uh, lie perhaps coming from? What's your thoughts on that biblically, well, truthfully? Yeah. Well, um, here, I, have, I have two thoughts on that, which hopefully will, will cure that way of thinking. First off, don't think that you don't, don't ever think in life that you want what you deserve. 
right? I want, I want what I deserve. Um, my parents said for me, my mom said this all the time, you know, kids say like, that's not fair. My mom would say fair is a place you go in the fall in a way you describe the weather. There is no fair and not in the uncle Bach house. Nothing is fair. And, and let me tell you, you do not want fair, right? Because this is fair. Fair is the wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible says, right? So you don't want what's coming to you. You want what God has for you. God, God's way is grace and mercy. And by the way, this is, this is a great uh, lesson from marriage, right? And, and I'll get into this, which will make the point for we should be further along. One of my favorite uh, scriptures on marriage comes from Ephesians 5. And, and uh, men who like to take the Bible out of context love 522, where it says women should submit to their husbands, right? Uh, but then it goes on to say, and this is also some of the um, understanding of different roles in marriage and really the responsibility that's put upon men, says that women should submit to their husbands. But then it says for the men, that men should lead their wives, love their wives the way Christ loves the church. Very different. You know, women just submit to your husbands. Men should love their wives the way Christ loves the church. Well, what does that mean? How is it that Christ loved the church? This is how Christ loved the church. You look at the story of what God's been doing with the church ever since he created it. And he said, what is it? What's it going to take for this relationship to work? I'll send you prophets. I'll send you leaders. I'll send you kings. I'll make the Ten Commandments for you. Miracles, I'll send my son. Lots of miracles. <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah, miracle after miracle. <laughs> None of that's working. What's yeah. it going to take from me? I'll send my son to die. You don't deserve this, but more than what you deserve, I want to give you what you need so that this can work. Right. And so God sends his son to die for us so that we can have relationship. This is the heart that we, like God's saying to men, you have this heart about marriage and you have this heart about life. My, I complained to my father one time when I was in high school about this teacher. And I, uh, I was, this was like an epiphany moment for me. It was the last time I really like unloaded and vented to my father and complained to him. Um, I'm telling him all these things that are wrong with this teacher that I have. And his only response to me is, well, thank God you're there. He says, well, ob obviously, you know what's wrong. You know what needs to happen. So that's why God's put you in that situation, right? So that you can fix it, so that you can cure it. He doesn't know what you know. Right. So first off, we don't want what we deserve. We don't want fair in our lives. Here's what we, here's what we do get. God, uh, my, my favorite, uh, understanding of the Bible, my favorite parable in the Bible and really gives me great, uh, encouragement for life is the parable of stewardship parable of the talents where Jesus says, and every time Jesus, uh, talks, tells a story, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. This is also wisdom, by the way. Right. Jesus is saying, if you can understand this really simple story, because I know you guys aren't that bright, if you can understand this simple story. You'll understand how everything else works. Right. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. A master goes away on a long journey, goes away on a long journey. And he says to it, he calls his servants forward and he says, I'm going to give you some money. Do well with it while I'm gone. I'm going to ask you to make an account when I return. Gives, gives five years worth of wages to one person, two years worth of wages to another, one year's worth of wages to another, comes back, make, gets an account from them. The guy with the five did very well, says, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to give you more. I'm going to give you even more than this now because you did so well with this. Same with the, the person who had two years worth of wages, but the one the person who had one year's worth of wages, he says to the master, he says, I was afraid. I knew you to be a hard man, so I went and hid your money in the ground here, take what's yours, right? And he says, I cast you out, wicked and lazy servant. Then Jesus says, those who are faithful with little will become rulers over much. I think it's interesting that in that context, Jesus is calling little five years wages for whoever you are, whether you make 
$50,000 a year, you make $5 million a year. Whatever five years wages is for you, to God, that's small. And he says, if you'll be faithful with what is little, the little that I give you, I will make you a ruler over much. This is a truth. This is the way the world works, right? So when I'm saying, when I'm like frustrated, I'm like, man, like, why am, why am I not making more money? Why is, are things not going better? Why this? Why that? You know what I say? It's the same heart that we're supposed to have about marriage. And it's the heart that I have about my business. Man, I must not be doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing because God says when I'm faithful over little, I'm going to become ruler over much. Right. So God, God has a plan for my life. And there's a lot of room for forgiveness when I make mistakes. That doesn't mean there's not consequences on the earth, but don't have this feeling in your life. You're like, man, I'm just behind. You are where you are. And what are you going to do with the opportunities that have been given to you? Maybe I don't know if you've looked around in the world today, uh, but everyone doesn't get the same opportunities. Right. But what are you doing with the opportunities that have been given to you? I used to joke with one of my best friends, my pastor's son. When we were little, we would joke about this one scripture that talks about. Uh, all of us being parts of the body of Christ. And he would, you know, you know, when I was young, I thought I was going to be a leader one day. And he'd say, well, what if you're a foot? And I was like, well, it's, I'm not a foot. So it doesn't matter. You know, and we would go back and forth. I'm like, I, I, that scripture doesn't apply to me. I'm not a foot. I'm, I'm not going to be a foot. And he'd say, well, what if you are? And really <laughs> the thought process, really the, the, the right thought process to have is if you are a foot, like this is my thought. If I'm a foot, I'm going to be Usain Bolt's foot. That's it. If I'm, if I'm a hand, I'm going to be a surgeon's hand. Whatever part God has given you to play, play it greatly, right? No one can be better at being you than you. So wherever you're at in life, do well with what has been given to you and God will give, you, give you more. This is a truth that you can build your life upon. So stop looking and stop beating yourself up. Stop, stop looking backwards. Stop saying like, man, why, why, when am I going to, when, it, when am I going to get what I want out of life? You, what you want in life is there when you're ready to grow into it. And God has given this, given us all this ability to grow infinitely. Yeah. You know, I, I like how Morpheus says it and I know we've been dancing around the matrix a bit, but I think he says something to Neil, like what, you know, you can't explain, but you feel it. I just remember this scene and, and he's like, yeah. like, it's like, you've known it your whole life. Like it's in you, it's there, you know, it's there. And I love how you've just, you know, called us to unleashing that sort of thing. Just unleash what's already there on the world. It's just such a blessing, let, this conversation. Yeah. Let me, let me tell you what my, I have one fear in life and, and really we should like, and I would just say like a concern or a caution um, because I, I'm not afraid of anything. And I, and I mean that sincerely, like Oswald Chambers says, when you fear God, you'll fear nothing else. Um, and I could go into that, but really my only concern in life is just like in that, that parable, the parable of the steward, what you want to hear in life is well done, good and faithful servant, right? That's what I, that's what I want to desperately hear at the end of my life. I want to do well with what's been given to me. And I've been given a lot, right? One of my life scriptures is Luke 12, 48, to whom much is given, much is required, right? Like I, I wasn't born into a trust fund, but I consider myself incredibly privileged to have grown up around leadership people, to grow, have grown up around people who love God, to have gotten the opportunity to serve in the SEAL teams. God has given me so much and I have to make a return on that. And my concern and the way and what what is a weight on my life, which makes me stronger, what is a weight on my life is that I could get to the end of my life. And there's two things that scripture says we can hear when we die, right? You can hear well done, good and faithful servant, or like Jesus uh, says that many will come to me on that day and I'll say to them, turn away from me. I never knew you. Mm. Those are the two things that we know we can hear. Uh, based on scripture when we die. There's another thing. I don't know if I could hear this, but it's a concern that that I would go to heaven and I would I would meet God and say, you know, I'm so glad you're here, but I expected more. That's that's a weight on my life that I carry every single day. 
Am I doing everything that I can do with what's been given to me? Because I know I'm going to meet God when I die. I know I'm going to be in heaven, but my concern is that I would get there and that somehow I've disappointed my father that I haven't done what he put me on the earth to do. It's powerful. I don't, don't think we can go over it. Yeah. I guess that's, I guess that's the impossible life right there. Is that the impossible life? That, that is what the impossible life is about. Okay. Well, I didn't need to ask that question. So Garrett, can I ask then what, what makes it possible? Grace? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. God has given, yeah. so we, these are not salvation questions, by the way, mm. right? Like God, like salvation, we did not earn, right? It is a free gift that God gives to us, but then he turns around and Paul talks about this all the time, turns around and gives it back to, to us and says, you, I, I paid the, I paid the ultimate price, but here's what it's going to cost you. Right. Jesus says, I, I paid the price. You can, I paid a price you couldn't pay, but now what's going to cost you is I want you to make your whole life about me. Right. Because this is really the life that I want for you. I want you to give up your old way of doing things. I want you to give up a life that's about you and if and live your life based upon me, the impossible life that it's, it's the podcast that I get to do with one of my best friends, Nick surface. And what we're trying to encourage people to do is how to think like God, how to live like God had live the way God intended us to live and ultimately be realize their full potential in life. Because I think that's like my pastor key says it this way. This is not theology. It's just really the way that we all choose to live is that the greatest sin is not living up to your full God given potential. That's actually what sin is archery term, right? Missing the mark to miss, to miss the mark. Right. Yeah. Well, that's great. Garrett, that was amazing, man. I, I got goosebumps a few times while you were uh, sharing a good word and um, love to direct people back to uh, where they can, get more encouragement from you. Uh, where do you hang out on social media? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. I post, uh, I post occasionally stuff with my family. Uh, and then I post videos from mighty men. I post videos from our podcast and then you can find us, you know, at our podcast, the impossible life, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And you can also find us on our website, the impossible dot life. And, uh, and if I want to come to a mighty man, if anybody's in your area, where can they yes, come? If you, if you live within a couple hours of the uh, Dallas area, and, and I, I say that jokingly, but also seriously, uh, because we do have plenty of guys that drive from like an hour and a half out. We meet every Saturday, 7 a.m. Uh, at Elevate Life Church in Frisco, Texas, 8500 Teal Parkway. It's epic. It's really powerful. And the small group after it was great. Met some great guys there. Guys really opened up, got vulnerable. It was pretty awesome. Um, thank you for leading, man. Thank you for being a great warrior for Christ. And I'm honored um, to play my part. Yes, absolutely. And uh, you have an urgency. Time is ticking. And I think that's a big thing that uh, I felt today too. So, um, all right, guys, that was awesome. Guys, go share this on social media. Tag Garrett, tag Man of Bedrock, tag me. And let us post this. Uh, let's get more guys listening to this good word, getting encouraged by truth. And we'll talk to you all soon. Level up or level off. <laughs>